This is Truth Pop Unplugged. Hey, it's Jake. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Truth Pop. And it's uh, Truth Pop Unplugged, our series on discernment. And just talking to people who are in different paths in their life and different callings, you know, uh, people who have said yes to the the vocation and the calling that uh, God had for them and just giving some advice, you know, if you're in the middle of that, trying to grapple with discernment and figure out what is God's voice, what am I being led to, and also how can I find that courage to say yes to God's call. I hope that these conversations have been helpful helpful for you in some way. And of course, it's so integral that we mention FOCUS, the Fellowship of Catholic University Students' is FOCUS is preparing young people on college campuses to say yes to God's will. Whether that be to spend at least two years as a focus missionary, serving on campus, or maybe to give their whole life, to give uh, you know life as a religious sister or a priest or a, you know a married man, married woman, to be a father. That's a vocation, and uh, we're all given a vocation that's unique to us, combining our strengths, skills, and talents in order to serve God's kingdom. And focus is helping people to do that particularly in one of their uh, ministries called Varsity Catholic, which is working with college athletes and helping them to, to see that they can serve God through um, the sports that they play and through the activities on campus. Uh, so you're going to learn a little bit more about Varsity Catholic as we talk to uh, Chad Sheremy, who is currently a seminarian. He just started seminary in the fall at St. Joseph Abbey Seminary College, and that's in Covington, Louisiana. So... Uh, Chad, before we get there, I want to start with the early part of your life. What was it like growing up? And I understand that you fell away from your faith relatively young. Is that right? Yes, yes. I fell away, fell away from my faith around the uh, age of 12. So at, at that time in my life, uh, I was in religion classes uh, and on my way, like going through all the religion courses and stuff. And we we're going to church every Sunday as a family. Uh, but I was also getting very involved with sports, mm-hmm. uh, with like travel league baseball and basketball, all-star basketball and things like that. Um, so it, the practices and games and stuff like that on weekends, and it kind of took us away uh, from home on weekends. And during the week, I was always um, had practices on Tuesday nights, the same night as religion. Um, and I'd kind of split the difference, like one week go to religion, one week go to practice. Sure. Um, and you know, after a while, um, our religion teacher had, you know, brought to our attention that I wouldn't be on track to continue with my class. I'd have to stay back and everything. And, you know, I, my parents pretty much gave me, pretty much gave me a choice and, um, you know, said, do you want to, you know, keep playing sports or you want to, you know, give us sports to finish religion? And, you know, at that, that age, you're not really thinking, uh, you don't really have a good grasp on the concept of God. So like, obviously I wanted to play sports. Like that was, what every kid really wanted to do at that age. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I got, I got taken out of religion classes, got really involved with sports, um, and played sports all the way up till my freshman year of college. You know, in the midst of what you felt like, you know, was your identity playing football, you still like you were grappling with that sense that this isn't enough and it did really lead you to a dark place in life. So could you briefly just tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, sports was my identity, and I didn't see myself as anything other than that. Uh, nobody in my ri- in my life really uh, helped me to see that I was anything more than, you know, just that good offensive lineman that helped yeah. us win on Friday nights. And right. Like, through high school is what I'm referring to. And Yeah. Uh, you know, in my hometown, I was I was a football guy, and, 
that's it. That's the only, pretty much the only reason I think people knew about me was because of football. Yeah. Um, and with football, with high school football, I lived out the jock lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I, you know, was partying, I was drinking and smoking and doing all these things and not living out a life of chastity. And, um, it, it led me to impure relationships and very dark places. Um, and even one of those relationships, um, which was built off of, uh, lust instead of love. Mm-hmm. Um, it let, it led me to depression feeling like I wasn't good enough for anybody because this is the only thing that I felt like I could give to another person. But that relationship led me to a lot of depression and, um, made me feel like I wasn't good enough for anything. And hmm. it, it led me to, um, yeah, I, I got so down one night I'd put a shotgun to my head. Wow. Uh, and I, I considered taking my own life. And wow. at this point in my life, I hadn't prayed in, you know, seven, eight years. And, yeah. uh, it was just, it was a very dark time. And yeah. that night I just, just decided to, I'm going to pray, you know, I haven't prayed ever. Wow. I haven't prayed, you know, in seven, eight years. Um, but now that night I pleaded with God and although very angry, um, now I, I, you know, I cursed God and I, Mm -hmm. I, I just talked down on God and, uh, yeah. And it's just a very raw form of prayer. Uh, now that I look back at it, um, cause I was completely open and honest with God for the first time in my entire life. Yeah. Um, cause my faith was pretty much like wishy-washy is like, Oh God, I need this. What, what do I have to do to get this? And sure. instead it's like, God, I have absolutely nothing. Like you are all like, you are the last thing. Like you're the only one that can actually do something yeah. right now. Yeah. Uh, Cause I am completely powerless. Um, and so, yeah, I pleaded with God and I pretty much challenged God uh, in a sense. Cause uh, I gave it one, I gave it one day. Um, after the night I had put a shotgun to my head and I gave it one day. Um, I went to school the next day, uh, and it seemed like, you know, the enemy was, you know, just trying to get me back into my room, sure. to just pull this trigger. Um, and yeah, so like teachers were like fussing at me for something I didn't do. Uh, I realized I was failing two classes. So my football coach was getting on me and at practice coach was getting on me like before practice, he was getting on me and I'm getting ready for practice. I'm in the trainer's room, taping up my wrist and putting my knee braces on and everything. And, uh, somebody had walked into the trainer's room and, and this person never met before in my life. And, you know, she, you know, she just saw me vulnerable and, hmm. you know, she did, she reached out, you know, that, that hand of God, uh, and just, you know, just started talking to me and we became really good friends. And she invited me to, uh, church with her family on Sundays um, her dad, um, started a, a young men's group here in the, uh, South Lafouche area, uh, called Fraternus of South Lafouche. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got really involved with that and yeah, she just, she flipped my world upside down and, uh, you know, just brought me back to the faith. Um, and obviously stories like this always go like, yeah, we started dating and we were dating for a year and a half and all these things. And then, you know, God, you know, her, her purpose in my life was, you know, fulfilled, whatever he mm-hmm. had planned. And, mm-hmm. you know, I moved on and, um, my life just, you know, was pretty much soaring up from there. It's so clear that even when you felt like 
you know, that you were alone and you felt like there was no hope. God was still there. And you, you didn't necessarily, you know, love God or understand what God was doing. But I, I just love that you talked about that raw form of prayer, that it wasn't anything cheery. It was anything but that, right? It was just complete realness. And God was yeah. able to meet you where you were at and take you to a place you never thought you'd be. Uh, and, and that is in large credit to Focus, the Fellowship of Catholic University students. Mm-hmm. So, you know, along with the girl you were starting to date in college, I understand that you got involved with Focus and also Varsity Catholic, which is a, um, a part of Focus. And that really helped you to understand that you could actually use football to glorify God, that it didn't have to be your God, but it could propel you to glorifying God. So can you talk about that? And what was it like getting involved in Focus? Uh, yeah, so Focus, man. I'm so grateful for yeah. uh, the organization of Focus. Um, so whenever I had first got to college, uh, so the the girl who had helped me out, she, her brothers were at, also at Nickel State University and uh, were involved with Focus and uh, kind of got to know Focus through them and got to experience it for myself. Um, but I got really involved with missionaries. Hmm. Uh, Garrett Land, he was a first-year missionary from, uh, from Tennessee. Uh, he got, you know, placed at Nickel State University, and I, I see it as God's providence because me and him became best friends. Uh, he was a varsity Catholic missionary. Uh, me and him, pretty much every time I was outside of football, it, I was either hanging out with him or I was sleeping. <laughs> yeah, pretty much all the other free time I had. Um, but yeah, he he just he loved me as a brother uh, and saw me as something more than what I saw myself as. Hmm. Uh, and through Bible studies and through a lot of you know, deep conversations and hard conversations. Uh, I was able to see myself as something more that I'd never thought about before. Yeah. Um, so just him and through focus and, and varsity Catholic, just they helped me to understand that like life has a greater purpose and that like our lives should be rooted in scripture and even more into the sacraments. Yeah. Uh, so so I, I got really, I developed, I devoted a lot of my, my time in my life, back to the sacraments, uh, especially the sacrament of reconciliation. Um, although I had my conversion, I mean, we're all, we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. So I was still struggling with all these things and um, just constantly having to go back to that sacrament of reconciliation and just being ever being able to, to receive that sacrament yeah, in, yeah. in a true form and actually understand, not fully understanding, but having a, you know, a, a slight concept of what this sacrament actually is that through, you know, the ministry of the priest being in persona Christi, that he is a conduit of God's mercy and God's love in that confessional. Just it focus, you know, brought me back to that. And I'm forever in the, in debt and gratitude to focus for doing that for me. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And, and also, I mean, varsity Catholic, um, being, being able to get me on two mission trips, uh, first to Trinidad and Tobago um, in the the fall of 2018, and then uh, Mexico City in the spring of 2019, um, really just you know changed my life, hmm. um, and just especially like Mr. Thomas Wirtz, uh, hmm. him all all his videos, his books, his his talks, and just small conversations that we've had like at Seek 2019. Uh, him just, you know, just just being a, a man of God and just being a witness that we can look from afar and and say like this is this is what you know this is what we're supposed to do this is like what we're called to do as disciples of Christ 
uh, just being a great example for me uh, and a great friend to me as well. Yeah, and as you mentioned, those resources from Thomas Wirtz at Varsity Catholic, uh, you can check them out. So if you're interested in learning more about what Varsity Catholic is all about and how you can get involved on your campus, uh, just go to focus.org and then click on the tab that says Varsity Catholic. And, you know, like you said, it, it is an incredible organization and one that helps college students to realize that you know, no matter what their vocation, you know, if their vocation is to be eventually a, a professional sports player, that they can serve God in that way, too. So a lot of good stuff there. Uh, but, you know, as we're talking about then, like the sacraments, and we're talking about that that deep longing you had to return to God's mercy, was that really what started to plant that seed as you started thinking about the priesthood, thinking, wow, you know, I could actually do that myself and hear confessions and celebrate Mass? What got the ball rolling about that priestly discernment? Uh, well, it, it was a long journey. Uh, yeah. And actually, not, not a lot of people know this, but um, that first Mass, the Sunday after I was at that dark spot of my life and I had mm-hmm. met that girl and I went to Mass with her family. Yeah. That first Mass, um, the main celebrant was our vocation director, Father John David Mathern. Uh, and he was celebrating Mass. And, you know, I hadn't been to Mass. We were mostly Christmas and Easter Catholics. Uh, we go during those times, but I never really paid attention to the Eucharistic prayer and hmm. and the Eucharistic liturgy. And, you know, I actually paid attention in that first Mass that hmm. I went back. And, you know, at the consecration, when he's lifting up the host, like I saw myself there wow. for the first time ever. Wow. And, like, just the little glimpse of priesthood kind of was in the back of my head and at the time I kind of, I was like, Oh no, no, not that, not that. That's too much. Yeah, kind of scared you a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. was definitely scary because, you know, my, I, my idea of priesthood back then was, Oh, you, you have to give up women. You have to give up uh, a normal life. You have to serve yeah. God and do all these things. And I was terrified of that. Yeah. Like, uh, and just, I was, I was new to like trusting God and it's like, oh, I, I, I can't no too much. You're asking yeah. too much for me. Right. Um, but so that was like the first initial uh, little glimpse of priesthood that I ever had. Um, and then, I mean, it just seemed like every time I went to mass, you know, at that, at the, at the Eucharistic prayer, it, it was just, it was coming into my head, coming into my head. Hmm. And, you know, for two and a half years, I, I always just pushed it away and pushed it away. Hmm. Um, and then at seek 2019, uh, I think it was sister Miriam was giving a, uh, giving a talk and, it was about vocations, and she said, if you've ever considered priesthood or thought about it or even, like, entertained the thought of it, like, and you're just looking for a sign, this is your sign. I remember you that. Director. <laughs> I remember you know, that, yeah. <laughs> so, like, and I was sitting in between um, Father John David Mathern, a vocation director, and mm-hmm. Father Mitch Seymour, who is the uh, the pastor at uh, St. Thomas Aquinas at Nicholas State University. Mm-hmm. I was sitting in between them, and they both kind of, like, nudged me and went, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> but uh what was your reaction that, to that like at that point were you much more open to the idea or did it still repel you uh i was i was more open to it mm-hmm. um i definitely cried after that talk <laughs> yeah because i i knew that it wasn't something that was just oh this is what i'm desiring oh do i want to be a priest or does god want me to be a priest uh, i realized that you know it might be something that god is actually calling me mm-hmm. to, not something that i am 
desiring for myself that this is my own will that I'm seeking out, but also that it might actually yeah. be God's will for my life. So those are tears um, of joy then? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, and, wow. and also a little bit of fear as well, because, you know, I was still dating, uh, that girl. And hmm. so it, it was, it was scary. It's like, Oh, am I have to go break up with this girl and go to seminary and if yeah. it doesn't work out, then like, what am I going to do with my life? And you yeah. know, all these, all these worries and fears just overcame me. And, um, it was, it, yeah, it was tears of joy, but you know, it was also, it's also scary. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause the road to God's will is not a straight path. It is not an easy <laughs> road. It is. Full you can say of that again. Rocks. Yeah. It's full of rocks and oyster shells and anything. It just, it looks scary, but man, I, I'm telling you, like my time here at seminary is, it's been nothing but fruitful. Um, but, but yeah, so at seek, uh, that was another big step. Hmm. Uh, and a big, big leap, I guess, towards my discernment. Um, but you know, I prayed about it for a couple months and was like, Oh no, maybe it was just a Jesus high from the sure. street, the conference. So, uh, it kind of wore off. And then, um, the big one was, um, it was January 22nd, uh, of this year. I was at mass. It was, uh, the first day of school, uh, daily mass. And I was sitting in mass, sitting in the pews before mass. And I just, grab the Bible out of the back of the pew and just did Baba roulette and just open up to something random. I was like, God, how do you want to speak to me today? Yeah. And I, I opened up to road to Emmaus. Hmm. Um, and I started reading that and praying with that. And I don't know if I was just struggling to like concentrate on what I was reading or I just didn't know how God was speaking to me. So I just picked up the Bible and I just, I, you know, I was praying before mass and mass started and, you know, everything was going through and then the uh, Eucharistic prayer came up and the consecration came up hmm. And at the breaking of the bread, I saw Jesus and I heard him. And, you know, he, I, did, I never felt God closer to me ever in my life. Oh. And I, I just, I truly felt God was saying, I want you here. I want you mm. closer to me. Mm. Now, not knowing exactly what that meant, uh, you know, I, I just started asking a lot more questions. Yeah. So like after mass, I went up to uh, Father Mitch Seymour and I was like, you know, what does, what does the application of seminary look like? What does seminary life look like? Hmm. Like how long am I, how long until I become a priest? Like what does it all entail? Uh, so we started talking about that. Uh, and then a co- like two weeks later, I contacted one of my friends who I graduated high school with, uh, Ryan Thibodeau, uh, called him. He's a, uh, at the time he was a second, uh, second year seminarian and, uh, talked to him about it. And was like, okay, what is seminary life like? Like, is it, you know, is it, easy to pray is it all these things and mm-hmm. asking all these questions and uh just truly like when i think back to it it's like i don't know what overcame me to even go up to father mitch or even mm-hmm. to call ryan thibodeau just to ask these questions it was you know just god yeah. just me allowing god to lead my heart to ask the right questions yeah to be yeah. in the right place to do the right things to get to where i felt he needed me to be uh so absolutely the holy spirit just working through me man and yeah and the but yeah, so within three or four weeks, I was starting the application process hmm. um, and just trekking my way, trying to get into seminary. It was a very uh, rigorous process, um, especially with COVID. COVID was definitely... Uh, yeah, talk about that a little. I was going to ask you, how, how has it been different with COVID it, and how has it made it harder to get into seminary? Yeah, so like all the... The paperwork stuff, you know, they emailed it to me. That was really easy. Um, 
And then I had interviews, which were kind of difficult because we had to do some online and some were in person, but okay. socially distanced and with masks and everything. And, um, like it just, it, I, you could tell the enemy was just putting every obstacle in the way mm-hmm. to not get me mm-hmm. to seminary. Uh, and I, I realized that at an early stage and, uh, but it definitely made it difficult because I had three or four months where I did all my paperwork and I was just waiting on my psychiatric evaluation, but they weren't seeing, uh, clients at that time. Mm-hmm. So I had to wait what seemed like forever to, uh, to make an appointment and, and have, have my psyche eval done. And, uh, you know, in those three months, you know, Satan just had the opportunity to, to work on me and just, and just try and tear me apart. And I mean, I was still in college, still going to classes and stuff like that. And, um, but you know, like classes were online, but I was still at the student center and, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's so easy, so easy to, you know, fall in love and be attracted to, to women whenever women are, are living out holiness as well. Of course. Yeah. Um, and, uh, sometimes it makes it harder. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, it definitely made things a lot harder. Um, so I mean, you were doubting were... whether you should really continue to go through then. Right. Right. Oh. Yeah. I had met this one girl, um, and she, she just flipped my life up, life upside down. And hmm. I was questioning, like, God, you put all these things in my heart about seminary. I started the application and then, man, you just put this beautiful, holy woman <laughs> in my life. Like, yeah. what was the purpose of this? And you're conflicted uh, then. Yeah, like mm-hmm. it was it was just a conflict in my vocation and you know I had to pray with it and I had to you know make some hard decisions and you know, I just realized that you know you know this girl's absolutely amazing and now she's she's one of my best friends like we are such close friends and uh, and I realized that God was only putting this in my life so that I can actually see what he is actually calling me to give up. Yeah. yeah. And and that was the most beautiful heartache that he could ever have given me. It's a good way uh, to put it. Because I, I right. can't imagine how difficult that would be. I mean, you know, I have often heard it said that, you know, when you are so close to doing God's will, when you're just about to take that leap, sometimes God will allow another good option to come your way. But, it, you know, again, it's the difference between good and better. And that can be so hard to discern. And it can be so mind-boggling. And I, I get what you're saying that you're like, God, why would you even like tempt me with this opportunity or, you know, this wonderful girl that you put in my life? So, I mean, I give you so much credit for still continuing to say yes to God's will, even when it became very difficult again. So, so that's an amazing thing. Like when you got into seminary, then what's that been like? And what have been some of the top moments that stick out for you so far, especially in this crazy year of COVID? Yeah, I mean, seminary, uh, it's very easy to get lonely. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, I think in the beginning, uh, that was my biggest struggle, just learning how to, you know, be away from family, be away from, you know, friends that I had made at Nichols. Um, uh, yeah, just a lot of people think, oh, seminary is, you know, it's a great holy place. I mean, yeah, it is a holy place, but it's this great place and prayer is amazing and all these things is like, Actually, seminary is a, a cross. Yeah, it's it's a cross that is heavy, really, really heavy. And you know, it's it's so easy to just give up. You know, mm-hmm. um, like for me, like prayer was great before I went in, and the day I moved in, desolation hit. Wow. 
and it it has been so hard to hear God's voice and huh. you know I'm trying I'm trying so hard to just get back to to where I can hear God's voice but you know and I, I've you know considered you know like God like you're not talking to me. Do you not want me here? Like yeah. I did everything you said to do. I got here and then you just, you know, give me the silent treatment. And it, it kind of, it, it sucked at first. And I get that. I just had to realize. And I started, I was reading, um, a story of a soul, uh, Therese of, uh, Lassu, mm-hmm. and you know, like she said, I want to be a saint by holes, not by half. So mm-hmm. give me all the suffering. Hmm. And and just reading that and, and trying to develop that in my own life, my own discernment. It's like, you know, I'm lonely. I miss my family. I miss my friends. Uh, it sucks waking up really early and going to prayer and mass and and just doing all these things and being on such a strict schedule yeah. that, like, my life doesn't feel like my own anymore. Hmm. And, you know, in prayer, I had to realize that, you know, my life isn't my own anymore. I'm laying, I want to, I'm desiring to lay down my life for the church and this is him preparing me for it, mm-hmm. you know, and just being able to take that cross, you know, like, and, and love that cross and embrace that cross as Jesus would have embraced. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, just try and be more like Jesus. Because, uh, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, Jesus embraced his cross, so why should I embrace mine? Yeah. Why should I complain about what seems to be hard for me, but I look back at the passion and it's like he endured so much more. Mm, amen. And yet he embraced it and amen. he loved it because he knew that what he was doing was for a greater p- purpose and a greater cause. It's like me wanting to lay down my life and God putting these little things in my heart to get me to seminary. If I would have left because I'm lonely or because I miss my friends or because I don't like waking up at 530 in the morning to, to pray office of readings with uh, some seminarians, like I'm discerning my own will and not his. And just being able to realize that wow. um, has really you know, change the way I look at seminary. You know, like I said, like seeing it as a cross, but not something that's scary, but something that's beautiful. Something that is meant to shape the life of the church through the ministry of the priesthood. Hmm. I really appreciate the fact that you're just so raw in sharing your story that like, it's still been hard and you're being honest about that. And you're looking at vocation in the true term of vocation, that it's not about like personal happiness. It's about, you know, glorifying and worshiping God and, and, you know, yeah. bearing that cross as we're meant to bear it. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing is, it's like, we talked about this in formation class. We're talking about the sacrament of marriage and, mm-hmm. you know, marriage life. And, you know, he said something that kind of shocked a lot of the younger guys, you know, guys who come out of high school who are homeschooled. And it's like, you know, like if you're not called to be a priest and you're called to be married, marriage is not about happiness. That's right. And all the younger guys are kind of like, what? Like, that doesn't make any sense. But, uh, but yeah, marriage and I mean, priesthood as well. Like, yeah, yeah you know, that's going to be fulfillment, and we're going to find joy in that ministry. But it, we're not called to happiness. Yep. We're called to unity. Yeah. So in the sacrament of marriage, the uh, husband unites his life and his soul with the, the bride. Mm-hmm. And, you know, God willing, I become a priest. I'll be able to unite myself, my crosses, my sacrifice, my... Um, celibate lifestyle to that of Christ. Uh, and I think just tr- like being able to slowly but surely come to that conclusion and come to to that um, that stage to where I can accept that because um, it's a hard thing to accept. Yeah, absolutely. But um, just be- and it really helped me out to hear that from you know a man who it was one of our professors who was in seminary and 
you know, he was, uh, I think he was in second theology and, you know, he, you know, he felt the call to discern out and now yeah. he's happily married and has a kid on the way. And, you know, it just, it shows that, you know, there is humanity in the priesthood. Absolutely. Because real men become priests and also real men become fathers. Yeah. And that is what our church needs. Absolutely. Yeah. Our church needs good priests and our church needs good fathers. But at the end of the day, you know, if, if we're not embracing our call to manhood, then we're not going to be called to either, right? Like we're not going to be good priests and yeah. we're not going to be good fathers. And yeah, it's, it's about being a true man and embracing that call to suffer. When I hear you speak and when I hear your story, I can still hear that joy and that sense of peace that the world can't offer. You have to learn to love suffering. Mm-hmm. That, that is, I think, the main, the main, uh, the main calling. Um, but also, like to em- to embrace to embrace the cross, um, and to be willing to say yes when you're uncomfortable to say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of things, like that, God's going to ask of us uh, is going to be very uncomfortable and is going to feel like it doesn't make sense. Yeah, because never in my life growing up did I see myself as possibly being a priest. I, I wanted to be a father. I wanted to have my own family and, and, you know, have, have a great job and support my family and, and do all these things that like when God put it on my heart, it's like, you know, are, are you going to, are you going to respond to God? Right. You know, are you going to discern your will? Or are you going to discern God's will? Yeah. Um, our will, you know, tends to always be beautiful and, uh, and easy for us, but you know, I think it's, it's good to accept the challenge of God's will. Um, yeah, even if it leads us to desolation. Like I said, I've been yeah. in desolation since I got to seminary, and it's, it's been tough. But the the growth that I've experienced from desolation yeah. is what truly has been, you know, guiding me and, and pushing me forward. So, like, not to be scared of desolation, not to be scared of not hearing God's voice, because I always. I always use this uh, this analogy when I'm talking to other guys who come to me and like talk to me about their desolation. It's like, uh, look, I'm right there with you, man. Like, yeah, can relate to know, it. We're in this together. But, yeah. And I always use the the analogy like, whenever you're working out, your muscle has to literally tear for it to grow. Mm. So whenever we're not hearing God's voice and we feel like our lives are being teared down and our vocations are being teared down, it's not. Yeah, it, it's just growing and growing and growing to where, through formation and through discernment, through prayer, we will get to that point where we will hear God's voice again, mm-hmm. and it will be time to finally answer yes or no. But we do not know until we endure the passion. Yeah, and then experience the resurrection on the other side. Yeah, absolutely, you know, absolutely. There's always another side. Yeah, always another side. Now, I, I understood that God was calling me to discern priesthood. You know, it was scary because I thought, oh, well, I never saw myself as anything but a husband and a father. Yeah. But, but realizing through, like, like seeing how formation has been working through me and, like, what formation entails for the priesthood, I think every man should go to seminary and go through the formation of a priest. Hmm. Because if, if, you're not a, if you're not a good priest, then you're not going to be a good father. Right. And vice versa. Um, because... A priest is not the only person who's supposed to reflect Jesus' life. Yeah, stay close to the Blessed Mother. Mm. Um, that that truly has been the biggest biggest grace uh, for me, and a, a huge push for me. Uh, I have a I have a 
pretty large uh, image of our Blessed Mother uh, that I put over like at night. I put it in front of my TV. Uh, it also helps me to go go to bed at, on time and not stay up all night watching TV. <laughs> but uh, but every morning when I wake up, I, I roll out of bed, I hit my knees, and I look at the image of our Blessed Mother with the crucifix right behind her and right on top of her, and I just say. I really hope y'all know what y'all are doing <laughs> and just entrusting everything to them, to our blessed mother and to, to our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so yeah, that's one, one little piece of advice I had, I forgot to mention, just stay close to our blessed mother, pray the rosary, man, that is such a weapon. It's really good advice, Chad. And Hey, I, I really appreciate you, you know, taking the time to just be real, you know, and I think that we need more of that in today's culture. We need to be honest about our sufferings and honest about our fears and those things that uh, are frankly hard, you know, and I think that we've all experienced a sense of that in the year of 2020, that this is calling out, calling us outside of ourselves and helping us to focus on not only God, but other people. And I, I really like what you said. You did a, um, a recent column for the National Catholic Register. You did an interview for them and mm-hmm. I love what you said. You said it's paradoxical, but the less you think of yourself, the more content you'll be. Uh, And that's, as you go on to say, that's what happened with you, that the more you focused on other people, the more you came alive. And what great words of wisdom there that that is the epitome of vocation, giving up oneself so that you can find yourself. Um, So I do want to encourage you that, um, you know, not only myself and uh, my wife, but I know that every person who's listening to this podcast conversation is going to be praying for you in your discernment and your continued discernment through seminary. You talk about desolation. I know that uh, the prayers of many are you know, going to reach the throne of God. So we're going to pray for you that you can find that consolation and continue to uh, delve deeper into the love of God. Because I know that, you know, God willing, you do become a priest. Your, your message is going to be so powerful and it's going to touch many hearts. And I, I can definitely sense that God is working through you and will continue to do great things. Yeah, I appreciate that so much. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, Chad, thank you so much for sharing the time, and uh, thank you also for talking about uh, the influence that Focus had on your life. If anyone wants to learn more about Focus, again, it's uh, focus.org, and there's a tab for Varsity Catholic, and you can get connected to them as well. Chad, God bless you, and uh, thank you so much for the time. Oh, thank you so much. You too, as well. This is Truth Pop Unplugged.